good. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, to our praise ministry time. I have 15 minutes to present to you something that's not easy to present in 15 minutes. But you can see the, the title of, of the sharing this morning is Salvation in Two Parts. And I'd like to start off with a couple of questions for you. And the questions are this. Um, what is the purpose of man? Not just save people, but what is your purpose? What is everybody's purpose? What, why are we created? Why is there man? Why is there humanity? What is the purpose of man? Why do we exist? You think about it. Some of you that received Jesus Christ recently, maybe not too long ago, you yourself were pondering these questions. What is it all about? Why do I exist? Okay, so, so hold, hold that question in your thought and consider what are the things that, that, that humanity is striving so hard for today. And then no doubt it's different for everybody. But there is a strong drive in people to have some kind of a purpose. We must have a purpose. Okay. And here's another question for you. What is my purpose? Personally, my individual, what is Matt Payne's purpose? What is Elias Abaska's purpose? Axel, what is your purpose personally? Okay. Hold that question in your consideration. And here's another question for you. What is the purpose of a Christian? Okay. What is, what is it about, all about to be a believer? What is the ultimate goal and purpose of a believer in Jesus Christ? Okay. This is the last question. They're all related. But here's the last question. What is God's purpose? Okay. What is God's purpose? And um, I wish I could see your faces, especially the Baylor faces, while I'm sharing, because um, since I'm screen sharing this, this presentation in Google Slides, I, can't, I have no feedback. So I can't see what, I can't, um, I can't speak off of you. But I do know that Baylor, being a Christian private school, Christian private school, it is a little bit, uh, a slightly different atmosphere than Texas A&M. But I'd like to tell you a little story about uh, being on the A&M campus about seven years ago and seeing the, uh, the university atheist table. And um, Andrew Hall, can you un unmute your mic briefly? Please tell me, is there an atheist club at Baylor University? Not that I am aware of. That is, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I, probably I not. didn't think, yeah, I, I didn't think that there would be an atheist club at Baylor University, but there is one at A&M, or at least there was one. It looked pretty weak to me. I felt bad for them that that was the best that they could put forth, but uh, I, I walked past the table in the middle of campus, and it, ha and it, it had a, a sign on white poster board. It looked like uh, it was written in crayon by an elementary school student, and it said, ask an atheist, ask an atheist, and I, I just, you know, I'm not here to argue. I don't want to get into uh, debate, so I just walked past the table, but you know, my 
I think my conscience started bothering me. Like, who's going to talk to these guys? Who will tell these guys? Who, who, will, who will interact with them? So I, very much uh, struggling with the Lord, turned right around to go talk to these three atheist kids at that table next to the Sul Ra statue or in that area. And so I said, I have a question for you. And I asked them those same questions that I just asked you guys. What is the meaning of human life? What is the purpose? And uh, I, I was saddened by their answer. I, I just felt like, wow, I, I, it would be good if, if Texas A&M, this top tier institution, could produce a better sample of, a, of an atheist club. But one of them, uh, just, just a, a, a nice looking kid, but he just uh, put on his smart person hat and said, well, that supposes that there is a purpose. So his view was that there's no purpose. There's no purpose. And I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, I cannot accept that. And I know that you cannot either. Um, another one of them said, our purpose is survival, to just survive. Once again, I cannot accept that because that means we're no different than the animals. So um, just keep this in your thought that man has a purpose and God has a purpose. Okay, with that as a little bit of an introduction, we come to the matter of salvation. And I bring up purpose because salvation is related to purpose. Um, the first thing that, that everyone has to start off with is that there is a God, right? You know, this, you know this proverb, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. That's foolish to say there's no God. But what about this God? What are some things that make him God? What are the attributes of this God? Well, one big attribute of God is that he is eternal. The verse, Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth and before you gave birth to the earth and the world, indeed, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You're God from eternity to eternity. You are God. Every human being needs to know this. And I think deep down inside, it, it has to be logically based on the available evidence. There has to be God. But this verse points out that he exists from eternity to eternity. So that means as far back in that direction that you can think he exists. He, and he doesn't need anything to exist. He doesn't need air like we do, light or warmth or, or, you know, anything. He just is, even before time, if you can envision that. And then same thing in the other direction. He is God. Um, so you have eternity past. We can represent that by um, the semicircle with EP on the left side of the screen, eternity past. And then it goes through to eternity future. And in between eternity past and eternity future, there is this, this phenomena, and we can just refer to it as time. Okay? And one, another tremendous verse to consider when thinking about God, from eternity past to eternity future, with God moving toward eternity future, is that God has a purpose. And the Bible tells us this. Ephesians 3.11 says, according to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God, our dear heavenly Father, God, he has a purpose. He made it in Christ. 
But the point is here, there is a purpose. There's definitely a purpose. So my dear atheist friend, no, you're wrong. There is a purpose in the universe. There is a God and he does have a purpose. And um, let me show you another verse. This is a Malachi 3.6. This is another verse that has to do with God's attribute, his personality. It says, I, Jehovah, do not change. Therefore, you Baylor Bears and A&M Aggies are not consumed. God does not change. His purpose does not change. Don't raise your hand, but who in this room has changed their major? Did you change your purpose? Did you start off in biomedical engineering like I did and change your major? I changed it. My purpose changed. But God has a purpose, and it does not change. He does not change his purpose. He does not change himself. Okay? So, to this end, for the accomplishment of his purpose, what does he do? He creates man. God created man for his purpose. And so, one answer to the question is that our purpose must be God's purpose. Our purpose is God's purpose. And... Suffice it to say, in eternity past, God is alone. In eternity future, God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, has created a vessel that he can enter into and be one with for eternity future. So you have uh, many, many synonyms in the Bible for this. The church, the bride, the one new man, the body, the house of God. Um, this this uh, corporate entity of which we here, if, if we believe in the Lord Jesus, we are members of the one body of Christ. And uh, the body and the head are the same in life. They share the same life. They're not foreign entities. It's not a, uh, it's not a mug of water attached to my body. It's, we share the same life as Christ, the head and the body. Or a better example is a bride and, and a bridegroom. They are not cross cross species it's not uh, a a monkey and a giraffe it's not god and miserable sinners it's god and man that has god's life and nature for eternity as a couple okay but y'all know there's a problem right and that is the fall and starting from genesis 3 the fall had a, a number of really awful uh, stages and destination where do you think the tip of that arrow is ending <laughs> that ends in condemnation i've seen another version of this drawing it has a little lake with a little fire coming out of it as in the as in the lake of fire in revelation chapter 20 but the destination of fallen sinful men is not good uh, so there was the slide starting with taking in the element of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, leaving the presence of god after the first murder uh, man becoming flesh and the earth filled with violence at the time of Noah. Outright open rebellion at the time of Abraham. Uh, sorry, Noah. No. Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel in um, Genesis, what is that, 11? So you have these declines, but we could, all, we could sum it up in a verse that we're familiar with, man's fall, Romans 3.23, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is everybody. And even if it wasn't for the sin matter, they're still falling short of the glory of God. And glory is this blue line up top. We should be at, in, equal with the glory of God. 
but uh, unfortunately we have this fall. But God has a purpose and he doesn't change, right? God does not change. So he does something. He has a reaction to arrest the fall, to stop the decline, to put the brakes on the thing. And that is judicial redemption. Okay. Um, judicial, just think of that word as something legal related, something of the law, something objective outside of us, dealing with a legal problem that we had, which was judgment, which was condemnation, which was a viol violation of God's life and nature, and indeed his, his law. So um, this was accomplished through the cross, the precious blood of Christ uh, accomplished a wonderful judicial redemption for us. And this judicial redemption took care of our need, our problem, which really, we have two problems. One is sin and the consequences of that. And the other is much more basic. It is death. So not only is there a need to have our problem solved, there is still the need to go back up to this blue line of God's intention that he doesn't change his mind about. Judicial redemption, forgiveness, everything that happened when you prayed to receive the Lord Jesus, that first day when you repented of your sins and said, Lord Jesus, I believe in you, come inside of me. Your problem got solved. Your destiny got changed. For, the, for a believer, that black arrow cannot penetrate that red. That's like a mile-thick slab of concrete, re steel-reinforced concrete. Nothing's getting through that. We will never perish, saints. Brothers and sisters, you can take that to the bank. We will never perish. But look, there's still this big gap between God's intentions, purpose for man, and being a saved sinner. There has to be something to bring us back. And that is referred to, we call this organic salvation. Organic meaning life. We need life. And the organic salvation fulfills God's purpose. Redemption alone, being cleansed by the precious blood alone, does not take care of God's purpose. If I drop this mug in the mud and it's covered inwardly and outwardly with mud, I'm not going to take a drink of this. So I wash it. I clean it. But what if it's empty? It's still empty. My purpose is not met. So we have organic salvation fulfilling God's purpose. Judicial redemption is through the blood of Christ. So we have this wonderful, these two wonderful verses. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, which says, knowing that it was not with corruptible things, with silver or gold, that you were redeemed. We were redeemed, brothers and sisters. We were redeemed. You should be happy. From your vain manner of life, handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood, we were redeemed with precious blood, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is a solid 20-mile thick layer of re steel-reinforced concrete that broke, that, that retarded, that stopped the decline uh, of man's fall. But we have organic salvation. So that is through the life of Christ, the life of Christ. And we see this in Romans 5.10, among many verses, actually many, many verses. Romans 5.10 says, For if we being enemies were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more. Don't you like these words, much more? I do much more we will be saved in his life, having been reconciled. So if you notice the tenses in this verb, in the, ten, the verb tenses in this verse, you'll be very impressed at seeing both of these sides, these two parts of God's complete salvation. 
Judicial redemption includes reconciliation. That means we're no longer enemies. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 says we were enemies of God in our mind. So we're not enemies anymore. We don't want to kill each other, or at least on our side. We're not enemies to God. Through the death of his son and his judicial redemption, we got brought back into a, a, a peaceful state. But don't you, brothers and sisters, want the much more? We will be saved. We will be saved in his life. So we enjoy his life. We fellowship. All these things we've been talking about the last, the last few weeks, calling on the Lord, singing, praying, meeting with believers, being in the word, exercising our spirit, enjoying his life will bring us to the fulfillment of God's purpose, which ends in eternity future. And finally, I just want to end with this little U-turn here. Uh, I think we have to praise the Lord that there was this, that there is this wonderful U-turn. Um, our destiny got changed, brothers and sisters. We're not just stopped. We did not just stop with judicial redemption only. We are not just forgiven miserable sinners that are still in an empty, lifeless state. No, we have Christ's life. And this life will fulfill not only God's purpose, but the ultimate reason for, of our creation as well. So, uh, brothers and sisters, that's my presentation to you. And I don't really know how to stop. Ah, here we go. I just stopped the screen share. Did that work? Was everybody able to see that okay? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, I went two minutes over. You knew that would happen. Um, but uh, why don't we, for the next, what do you think, Carlos? We should have some time in groups. I'd like for there to be some fellowship and some opening about these things in little groups. Matt, could you repeat one thing you said that was really, really good? You said uh, even if something about even if we didn't sin, right? Even if we didn't fall, could you say that again in the beginning? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me use a picture that I think that uh, we all are familiar with, and that is um, uh, once again a, a picture of a vessel. Of a vessel. Pretend this is Adam. Adam got created. Eve was created, and there was an empty vessel, and the intention was to get the tree of life into that vessel. That never happened. We know the story. That did not happen. Instead, man fell. The element of sin came in, and in the day that you eat of it, in that day you shall surely what? Die. So sin and death came in prior to the Lord accomplishing what his original intention, what his purpose was that he never changed about. But now the thing needs to be cleaned up before the vessel can, can contain that life. So the intention was to get life into the thing. If Adam and Eve had not fallen, but also had never partaken of the tree of life, God's purpose would not have been fulfilled. And by extension, man's purpose would not have been fulfilled. So although, brothers and sisters, we should praise the Lord and be super duper duper happy that we're redeemed that there's that 20-foot-thick reinforced concrete stopping the decline. We should be super happy about that. We praise the Lord for that. But the intention of God is that the vessel will be filled up with his life. And we do get his life when we pray, when we receive the Lord. But that is as an infant, as a baby state. We want to be filled with life and mature in the divine life. This is the purpose of the Christian life. The Christian life also has a purpose. Um, is that good, Johnny? 
Okay. Yeah, very good. I, I think that's a huge point that even if we didn't sin and if we were still in the Garden of Eden, but we didn't partake of the tree of life, we would still feel empty. We would still feel we're missing our purpose. And God himself also would not be satisfied because he wants his life in us. Right. And, and let me and let me just say something that I didn't say, but I think is important to say. In all of that presentation, I spoke for 17 minutes. I never mentioned one thing about being a good person. Okay, you like that, Audrey? <laughs> Trying to be a good person is hard. It will make you sweat. And it is not the purpose of the Christian life. All right, all right. How about we have some groups?